was in marketing and promotions. I was even in the music business. I managed, I managed bands. And uh, if you think about it, a large annual meeting, a really high-quality annual meeting like the BS annual meeting, is like a festival. It's just that um, your acts are not great bands. They're great scientists who are communicating, you know, the, the latest information. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the LifeWatch Eric podcast, a window on science from the European eScience Infrastructure for Biodiversity and Ecosystem Research. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have your company. I'm Julian Kenny, Communication Officer, and today I'm sharing the interview with my wonderful colleague, Madeira Scaudi. Hi, Madeira. Thank you, Julian. Hello, everyone. So this morning we're talking about the British Ecological Society, uh, which, like LifeWatcheric, is committed to generating, communicating, and promoting ecological knowledge and solutions. So we're pleased to welcome to the studio Paul Bauer, who until last month was Senior Development Manager for BES. So welcome to the podcast, Paul. Uh, welcome and thank you very much for uh, inviting me, Videra and uh, Julian. Thank, thank you. Absolutely welcome. Paul, um, you've just left the British Ecological Society after seven years, but your background is in modern languages and, and social and economic history. Yeah. What got you involved with ecology, given that you're not a scientist? Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be really frank here, in that uh, what got me involved uh, was that I was um, I received an email from uh, a headhunter from an exec search company. So it's almost like that. Um, someone said to a famous songwriter, what comes first, the, the words or the music? And they replied, the phone call. Now, <laughs> I'd always had a keen interest in science at school, but I was never very good with, with the maths. And so, you know, I'm of an age where I remember the space race and, um, you know, the shots, the first shots of uh, planet Earth back from the moon. So uh. I was always from a point of view of a kind of late person interested in science and this 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 job came up i applied for it and to my astoundment and joy i i got it and so i was employed essentially as the first fundraiser and kind of sponsorship and marketing person in the history of the british ecological society now bs is the world's first uh, ecological society it's formed in um, in 1913 it published then the first uh, Scientific Journal in Ecology, which is called the Journal of uh, of Ecology. Although I would say to any um, any German colleagues, uh, we do understand that the word ecology is actually a German word and was created in um, you know the discipline was created in Germany. So BS never claimed that they invented ecology; they were just the first organized organized group. And it's been seven seven great years, and I think one of the reasons that I got the job was I think they wanted a non-scientist. So I was someone who could stand outside and uh, yeah, and communicate most, possibly uh, more, more clearly, uh, you know, what the benefits of whether it be sponsoring one of our events or whether it be donating to the British Ecological Society or leaving something uh, in, your, uh, in your will 
to support the next generation uh, uh, of ecologists and it it um, it worked out it worked out pretty well so my background was in marketing and promotions I was even in the music business I managed I managed bands and uh, <laughs> someone once said to me at a, at an annual uh, meeting said um, gosh Paul this must be so different from you know managing groups in the 80s and staging concerts I said not really well, no not in a <laughs> not in a way no not in a way because if you think about it um a large annual meeting, a really high quality annual meeting, like the BS annual meeting, is like a festival. It's just that um, your acts are not great bands; they're great scientists who are communicating, you know, the, the latest information. So, so that's me. It's been seven great years, and I'm now moving on to something else. And we'll, we'll we could talk about that at the end of the interview. Yeah. So. Uh- uh, what is the British Ecological Society like? How old is it, and how many members does it have? Well, the British Ecological Society is the world's oldest and Europe's largest community of ecologists. So there's, there's around seven and a half thousand members in, uh, I think, 119 countries. It's interesting from a, a point of view of your audience to note that the BS. Although it's based in London, it is a global it is a global organization. Mm. I think something like thirty five percent of the membership is not resident in in the United uh, in United Kingdom, and often uh, people in in countries where there isn't a, a, an ecological society or a strong ecological society will join BES because it gives them access to a number of things. It gives them access to grants, and they're just launching their new. Uh, Grant portfolio—it's about four hundred thousand pounds. So that's about five hundred thousand euros uh, next year, and uh, with them also with a focus on on supporting ecologists in uh, in the in in the global south. And of course, one of the main uh, um, functions of BS is scientific publishing. Yeah. It has uh, eight journals uh, and a really world class publishing. And team. The, the, the publishing partner is is Wiley, but the journals are owned by, uh, uh, you know, by BES. Um, and so anyone uh, um, who's looking to, uh, you know, you know, to get published, it's enormous, rigorous peer, you know, peer reviewed process. Uh, you know, double blind, so yes, uh, not easy. You don't, you know, the double blind process, so you don't know who's reviewing you, and they don't know who you are to. So we concentrate on the science, trying to rule out conscious and unconscious bias. So, uh, you know, eight, eight publications, and people can just find out about them just by going on, going on to the British Ecological website and clicking on public publications. I'll not give you a rundown of all eight and mm. and and, uh, and what yeah. they do. And they're now all online. I mean, at one time they were physically printed, uh, uh, you know, uh, printed journals. But as well as... Uh, Staging world class annual meetings would be about 1,300, 1,400 people in Belfast, eight publications. BS also do a lot of work in terms of um, public outreach uh, yeah, and citizen science, explaining the importance and excitement of, of, of ecology to the wider population, and also fantastic uh, education work. Uh, one of my colleagues, Amy Padfield, has just finished off a fantastic project 
in the northeast of England, some of the poorest, most disadvantaged parts of the United Kingdom, called Connecting Schools with Nature, and they re- they, they received a grant to go into 40 uh, schools in these very deprived areas, uh, work with the young, the young people, these nine or ten-year-olds, co-designing changes to their playgrounds to make them more uh, biodiverse, monitoring the, the local wildlife, you know, camera traps, um, and, you know, recording. So that first stage in understanding what research is, a, a, a really phenomenal project. And an interesting thing with this, and this is the other side of BES's work, you know, beyond the, the high-powered academic, you know, research and publishing, is, is that, that education work. And an interesting thing that what they found out was that often young people who are in schools in the northeast of England near the Pennines, they're, they're really near nature, but they're disengaged from it. And so this is part of a process that... Um, the Amy Padfield and, uh, and and the team need to re-engage uh, these young people uh, to engage, not re-engage, to engage for the first time, young people with, with nature. And also to introduce them to the idea that ecologists and conservationists, it was actually a career. It could be more, you know, more than a hobby. And I think many young people would not, nine or 10 year olds would not, uh, you know, would not, of known or, or, or considered that, so broad range of uh, broad range of activities, and uh, they'll all be there at uh, at Belfast. And you just have to, if if you're going to uh, the annual meeting or, or or either in person or virtually, you know, visit the visit the BS stand and talk to them about publishing and about all the other work that they do. <laughs> of course, this interview is <clears throat> we're recording a, a week before. Um, we're going to be publishing rather a week before the annual meeting in Belfast. Yeah, so so all the tickets will have gone. It will have sold out. So promotion, promotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always, I'm always, even though I don't work for them anymore, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. They're a great, they're a great organisation, and uh, it was it was a great seven years. Well, then what I'd say, still in promotion mode, the um, annual t- 2024. A BS annual meeting is in Liverpool between, I think, the 10th and the 13th of December. So uh, keep your so eyes open. Put, put that in your, in your calendar. Um, exactly. Paul, you, you <laughs> disappoint me. You say there's 7,500 ecologists who are members of the BES, um, but not all of them are coming to the annual meeting. Well, we, I thought it was the big get-together. We can't fit them in. It's it's an interesting debate that Julian because <laughs> when I first started, uh, uh, you know, it's you know, always promoting, always saying how can we make things bigger. The feedback that had come back consistently mm. from uh, from members was that they didn't want a huge meeting because some of the mega meetings in the states where they got ten thousand people, they felt that they'd lost that human touch and that ability. Yeah to um, you know to actually start conversations yes. and I think one of the big challenges not just for BES but for other scientific organizations is to um, yeah you know, how you can share knowledge or share part of the experience by virtual by virtual meetings uh, most people would say yeah. you know in person is best 
and there's issues around carbon footprint, and I know it's a com- it's a long and complicated um, mm-hmm. um, uh, discussion. But uh, what BS did do, during the lockdown, we had to cancel the Edinburgh annual meeting in 2020. We did stage a uh, totally online meeting, which was which was very successful. I even had a virtual exhibition, which I was surprised that people actually um, you know bought my virtual stands and took and took part in it. But it is it is possible to do, and I think that is a discussion yeah. that. Yes. The wider life watch network, you know, might might have about how you can create mm-hmm. an experience for a, um, you know, for a, a, a global audience, and particularly in areas, um, for instance, for African ecologists who don't necessarily have the resources, even if they wanted to, you know, to fly, you know, from Tanzania to Lisbon or from you know Lesotho to uh, to Rome, how you give them an experience and. You know, and 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 create uh, uh, online meetings which are really um, emotionally engaging, as well as scientifically credible. So, um, Paul, what do you think? Like the big challenges are for ecologists in like communicating the importance of their work to the wider public. I think that I think the challenges are huge, but not in not insurmountable. Yeah. And it's also about um, uh, a, a changing uh, a changing culture. And I think it's often been said that uh, people outside mm-hmm. of, of science they don't understand the world ne- necessarily through a collection of facts. They understand it through a story with a start, a middle, and an end. And it's been said by many people. It's, this is not my idea. That often it's narrative fidelity. It's being able to tell that story that counts. I mean, the great uh, English philosopher Bertrand Russell, you know, said words to the effect of that people generally believe things that make them comfortable rather than mm-hmm. things which are actually uh, which are actually uh, uh, true. And others have said very true in these days of social media. Yeah, exactly. I think the social media has just amplified something that that exists anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the answer to that is working with um, storytellers. Now, the National Geographic Society do a lot of work in this area, working with filmmakers, mm-hmm. working with writers, and also working with psychologists. I think, and 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 the and the, the social sciences. It will be a contentious issue because some scientists will push back and quite rightly say, well, we're not going to dumb down our work and no one wants them to do enter into that to that dumbing down. Mm. But it's it's that clarity. People have very little time. So it's how you can do that capsule summary in words that people understand. Now, an example of this is the word biodiversity. I know what biodiversity is because I've been working with fabulously talented ecologists for seven years. But I think sometimes you might have to talk about variety in nature. Yeah. You know, um, you know, do you want to, uh, you know, um, lessen your impact on nature and contribute to its restoration? Because that's, you know, because that, you know, that's that's what we're doing. Now, there's a whole series of of scientific terms which you will use when you're doing a paper and you're presenting an annual meeting but but thinking about who you you know who your audience is and a classic uh, in the english language this is the word novel now novel for scientists means new and groundbreaking 
novel for most people yeah. in in the English language means something quite amusing. Oh, that's novel. I, I had this conversation many times. Sometimes I got I got through it. Sometimes I didn't. So I think it's checking back, and I think the challenge for ecologists and for the wider Life Watch network is, I think, a discussion about how you can mm-hmm. talk to these great filmmakers writers and storytellers across um, across europe yeah. um yes i always call this um you know translating science but anyway um yeah absolutely <laughs> that's what people like you and me do. paul look um i have to thank you you've been uh, really instrumental so helpful in getting life watch eric involved for the first time in the british ecological society annual meetings conference in belfast um, Thank you. As now an outsider, what's your picture of the the connection between our two organisations? How can they, you know, benefit each other? Well, I think a really important thing is communicating that, despite the fact that uh, the United Kingdom took, in my view, mm. this is my view, the unfortunate decision to leave the European Union, that you're not excluding uh, British scientists from you know, from um, uh, your project. No way. Um, and, you know, and, and I think that's important to get that that message. Of obviously, you know, the UK is not in the EU, therefore it won't be sitting on the kind of management board or management team. And, you know, yeah. UK scientists will be guests, but, mm-hmm. but, but welcome guests. I think that's important to get that, that message over. But scientists will always work together. Uh, I mean, when I was thinking about this at the time of the Brexit vote, I remembered that... In the 80s, Soviet scientists and American scientists at the height of the Cold War and the threat of nuclear destruction worked together on early computer Mm -hmm. modelling about what the effects of a nuclear winter would be to communicate the message Mm. that nobody wins here. Mm. We will, you know, destroy the world's climate for like 30 years and all the modelling that they did around... um, tree rings and volcanic uh, eruptions. So I think getting over that message that you're, you're there, you're open for business and that you want to talk to uh, um, uh, scientists in the, uh, you know, in, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think will be one of the main things. Strengthening your links also with um, uh, other ecological societies, uh, Nordic Oikos, uh, great friends of, uh, of, of BS, the Ecological Society of the Nordic countries. So Denmark, Finland, Sweden, Norway, and, and Iceland will be there. Mm. Uh, th- they have a stand. Yeah. And they, they, I think they have four uh, highly rated public uh, uh, journals going and speaking to them. And also the Ecological Society of America uh, will be, uh, they're taking a stand, uh, an exhibition stand, which is right at the centre of the uh, of, uh, of the mm. meeting. By the way, all all of the exhibition stands are right at the centre of the meeting. And so, going over and uh, mm. you know and uh, you know and, and and talking to them and and you know and establishing those uh, links and letting them know uh, you know what LifeWatch Eric is doing and what your aspirations are for the next three years. LifeWatch Eric is also a kindly sponsored um, you know the poster sessions getting around and talking to everybody who's got a poster 
and talking to them about uh, about life watch Eric and what, what you want in terms of um, you know um, research infrastructure cooperation absolutely and what we really aim to do is is um, spread the word about this marriage you know of the ecological research and the free innovative data management that that we offer so you know it's not just the, the well there's that expression in english isn't there you'll be knocking at an open door <laughs> with a shadow of a yeah. <laughs> there are really you know the yeah. bs they are a super friendly bunch go up to um uh you know uh, you know go up to the uh, outgoing president uh Okay. Uh, Yadvinder Mali and have a, you know have a chat with him. He's, he's very uh, approachable, you know, um, kind of ecological super brain and uh, fellow of the uh, Royal Society, and also a, just a, a, a very a very warm and um, and 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 um, an open person. The the, the incoming uh, presence as well, Bridget Emmett as well. So talk to people and also. And this is not relevant to anybody uh, out there who's not going to the annual meeting. But if you are, use the app yes. because nearly everybody in the conference uses the app and that's where you can yeah. uh, chat to people and meet them for coffee and discuss uh, your work and discuss what Life Watch Eric is doing. Wonderful. Paul, It's um, yeah. this is the meeting place of technology and um, and personal relationships. Um, it's um, It's great to talk to you. And it's great that you know you're a living example of um, of how you don't have to be a scientist to make a difference to the the changing world we live in. Um, you know, with climate change and biodiversity loss. Good on you. Really appreciate your presence today. Thank you. Yeah. Again, uh, thank you, Paul. It was very very uh, interesting. And uh, yeah, thank you also to our. Yeah, sorry, you wanted to add something else? I think. No, it's just. No, I think I've pretty much covered everything that I was, uh, you know, I was going to say, and just to strengthen that message about <coughs> about um, you know cooperation. But scientists will always, and have for thousands of years, found a way through uh, through you know through political turmoil to um, you know to you know to you know to work you know to work together. Yeah, like science has no borders. Okay. Okay. Well. Um... Thank you, Paul, and uh, thanks also to our producer, Fabrizio Lecce, and above all to you, wonderful listeners. Uh, thank you for helping us spread the word about these critical ecological issues that we all face. Uh, please feel free to visit uh, www.britishecologicalsociety.org uh, and www.lifewitch.eu. And then watch out for updates on proceedings at the annual meeting in Belfast on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, thanks again to everyone. We look forward to our new encounter here on A Window on Science. Mm-hmm.